What a sweet way to begin our time in the Word, and thank you, Paige, for sharing your story. What a blessing. Love you and Matt so much, and your family. And uh, if you have your Bibles, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, be where I just read just a few moments ago, Matthew chapter 28, and I invite you to turn there as we continue our series uh, called The Red Letters, and, and the heart of this series is Really, what better way to start this new year than to walk over the next several weeks over the commands of Jesus and to listen to His voice and listen to His Word and hear what His design and His desire is for, for our life. And so, uh, I also want to just put a plug in for midweek on Wednesday nights, if, if, uh, if your schedule allows, uh, that uh, we, uh, as I've said, have the best meal in Olive Branch uh, leading up to our breakouts with preschool children, student, and what we're doing is as we look at the command of Christ on Sunday, on Wednesday we uh, look at a New Testament, New Testament example of that, of that command and we get into discussion groups and breakouts and just talk around the Word. And uh, so I, I hope that you'll join us for that uh, this Wednesday. It's been a, it's been a real blessing. Uh, so this past Wednesday, as a, speaking of that uh, Best Mill and Olive Branch, I was filling out my little meal card and talking to one of our students, and, uh, and so he said, hey, Pastor Jared, I'm getting my license tomorrow, and I was like, you are? I was like, that's awesome, I, I just, it's such a big deal, if you remember that, that time, kind of thinking back to when you got your driver's license, what a big deal that was, and, uh, and so uh, I did ask Tristan if I could say his name in this service, so it was Tristan, talking to Tristan, and, and he, got his, he got his driver's license, and, and, and so if you have your driver's license, or uh, you have gotten your driver's license. I want you to think about that day. And, and, you know, in my experience, I had to take driver's ed in school. And so I did that. And then I went to the, the little place and I read the book and I took the test and, and I waited patiently. And I, I remember when uh, they just uh, gave me this little card that, that, that serves as my official driver's license. Like I'm a legal driver right now. And, and, and what I've come to realize uh, since I've had my driver's license is that not only does this tell the world that I can drive a car uh, legally, but it also uh, serves as a form of identification. In other words, if I'm going, you know, whether it's filling out paperwork or whether you like trying to go to buy a house or go to the bank or, or, or different different, you know, forms, they may, you may have to do something that says, I need to see identification. Uh, just this past Friday, I took uh, my daughter to get a passport, and, her, and, and Amber and I, they looked at us, and they're like, we need your identification. And so we, we got our, our driver's license, and, it, and what it does is it, it proves that we are who we say we are. I'm not making it up. And, and so I want us to hold on to that idea of identification. Because as we look at this second command that Christ uh, has, has commanded and as, as we're looking out, is that, is that baptism is so important to our God. So important, His design, the significance of baptism. And so withholding that idea, uh, that idea of identification and who you are, I want you to hold on to that, to that picture as we look at this second command, and I do want to, I, I do want to just really belabor um, this command because the the reality is 
all kinds of people, whether they're, they're believers or not believers, uh, whether they've heard of the word baptism or like, what, what's the whole baptism thing about? Like, I'm really excited because I, I pray the Lord is going to teach us the significance of what is the deal with baptism. But I do want us to be reminded this is so, so important to the heart of our God. That in His design, His call to obey Him in baptism, that this is so close to His heart, it's as important as the Great Commission, which is what we just read. And so Matthew 28, I want to read verse 18 and 19 one more time. And the Bible says this, And Jesus came and said to them, to His disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, all that I'm teaching you, all that I've poured into you, you walking alongside Christ, pouring in his disciples for the past three and a half years. He's like, what I've called you, what I've commanded you, I want you to pour into others and teach them to obey. So this area of baptism is an area of obedience. This word baptize, uh, Christians didn't make up the word. Uh, they didn't come up with that word. It's been a word for a really, really, really long time. It's actually a Greek word. Our Bibles, uh, we, we know we're not originally written in English. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And so we have the translation of those original manuscripts. And so if you dig into the original meaning of the Greek word baptism, what does it mean? That word baptizo, it, it means to, to, to dip, it means to dunk, it means to drown, it can mean to immerse, it means to saturate. That's what that word means. So whether it would be Greek books or literature, even apart from Christianity or even Judaism, this word was common among the people. You know what the word baptized means because it means to saturate. It means to immerse. And so Christians didn't invent baptism. It was a Greek word for many, many years. But it's interesting that baptism was actually a practice of Judaism before Christianity. That Jews would be baptized. If there was a non-Jew and that person said, I want to become a Jew, there were three things. The first thing was they had to receive instruction from a rabbi. The second is that if they were a male, they would have to be circumcised. And the third thing was that they would have to be baptized by immersion. In other words, this, this New Testament scholar by the name of J.B. Lightfoot says it like this for, for, those, for those Jews, these, those non-Jews being baptized into Judaism. He says, when brought into the water, they again instructed them in some of the weightier matters of the law, which being heard, he plunges himself and comes up, and behold, he is an Israelite in all things. And so for, for anyone in that time, a non-Jew becoming a Jew, walking through this process, that baptism would symbolize that this non-Jew, a Gentile would be known at, is leaving a pagan world and they are entering into a whole new life, a whole new community. That baptism is that significant picture. And so when did baptism become the Christian response? You look into the New Testament, the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that early in the Gospels we are introduced to a, 
to a man who the Old Testament prophesied would come, that he would be the forerunner for the Messiah, that he would be the, known as the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. And so John the baptizer, John the Baptist was that forerunner. We're introduced to him in the Gospels. And so John the baptizer is that, I just think of him as like a wild man. I mean, maybe even like a, a, a hippie. He's got camel hair. He's eating locust and, and, and honey. And, and God's calling on his life was he was that voice of the one preparing the way, make straight the way of the Lord. And the Gospels teach us that John the baptizer preached a message of repentance. He said, he would say, repent and be baptized. Because why? The Messiah was coming. That Christ was coming. And so, and so think about this. Think about John the baptizer. He's out there and he's baptizing with a baptism of repentance. In other words, to, to, to trust Christ, you need to repent and believe. And so knowing that baptism was a practice actually by Jews, almost like those outsiders wanting to get inside in Judaism, think about what that meant when all the Jews were probably losing their mind. When they were saying, what are Jews going out there to John the baptizer for to be baptized? What is going on out there? But yet it was John the Baptist that says this, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here is John the baptizer baptizing with a baptism of repentance, pointing toward the Messiah and his death, burial, and resurrection to come. But then the Messiah comes. Christ comes, the Son of God comes, clothed in flesh, dwelt among us, comes. And He goes to John the baptizer at the time of the launch of His earthly ministry. And Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. <laughs> and John the baptizer is like, what? I literally says, I need to be baptized by you. You come to me. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 3.15. Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for as to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He doesn't have to be baptized. He doesn't need a, a baptism. But what He is, is He is His model always for us in modeling what God desires in the life of His followers. Romans 8 tells us what God's design is for our lives. Romans 8.28 that we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. That's God's ultimate will for our life. And so in all things, Jesus is the perfect example. And so it was after His perfect, sinless life that we could never live. And it was after He was crucified on a cross, taking our place on the cross, paying the price for our sin like Paige shared just a few moments ago. And as He was placed in a borrowed tomb and rose again from the third, third day, proving He alone has the power to forgive our sin and to make us right with God, that He gathered with those disciples and now baptism has a whole significant meaning. Why? Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. John's baptism pointed to the Messiah who would come and to give His life and would raise from the dead. And Christian baptism looks back in obedience to Christ in His completed work on the death 
and His glorious resurrection. And so in that, John the baptizer is pointing toward the Messiah. And now as Christ has risen from the dead and He has instructed His followers to be baptized, we look back at His finished work on the cross. I love baptism. I love celebrating baptism. Uh, I love uh, when we celebrate baptism in here, you typically know it's coming because all of a sudden our baptistry is behind this screen right here and all of a sudden you start hearing this <laughs> and I love that noise. Like to some folks, it might, might be like, man, what's that noise? I love it because what it means is we're raising up the screen because we're about to celebrate a new believer following in obedience to baptism. And so when you see somebody baptized, they are immersed, baptized in the water and brought out of that water. It is that picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of King Jesus. It's a picture of the death of our old life as a non-follower of Christ. And we're raised to walk in newness of life. Baptism is such a powerful, powerful picture. It's an act of of obedience. And that is why we call it believer's baptism. It's called believer's baptism because every example of baptism in the New Testament, every single example is an example of someone who repents of their sin, places their faith in Christ and Christ alone, and they follow in baptism. Every single illustration, every single example, every single picture is a believer following in baptism. Baptism marks us as believers, identifies us as believers, shows the world that we're not ashamed of following Christ. I've heard it described as a baptism being like a beautiful, glorious funeral. Because what it is, is it is a picture of the death of the old life and raised to walk in newness of life, and we baptize by immersion because that word baptize means saturate. It means, it literally means to immerse in water. It is a picture of that complete death and raising and newness of life. And I have been so humbled over the years to celebrate baptism with new believers following in obedience to Christ. I have had the privilege of baptizing in creeks and baptizing in oceans, and baptizing in streams, and baptizing in swimming pools, and baptizing in horse troughs, and baptisms in baptistries. And to celebrate that, and some are, are like, they're just, they're memorable. I remember, and this one's kind of funny because, uh, you know, you can have fun, right? It's okay to laugh in church, like it's, it's okay. And uh, I remember just a few years ago, I was baptizing who one, a, a fellow who became a really good friend of mine. And he was a giant of the man. Like I just felt like I had to look up at him. And uh, for him, uh, he was baptized. He had been baptized. But it was later on that he says he truly repented of his sin and placed his faith and trust in Christ. And so for him, his testimony was, based on what Christ has commanded, and what we see in the New Testament, I need to get my baptism in order. I need to follow in believer's baptism. And so we were, we were baptizing, and we were in the, in the, in the tank. And uh, I remember he was so tall, there's just a limited amount of space in there. So I remember almost scooting to the very side of the baptistry because I knew when we went to baptize him, we needed plenty of space on the other side. And, and so I, I kid you not, we, you know, 
buried in the likeness of his death. And, and, and he went down, everything except his head. <laughs> and, 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 and like, he just kind of popped back up. And, uh, and we just kind of laughed. And we, it's kind of like this moment, kind of like, what do we do? Like, and so we said, okay, we're going to do this again. <laughs> we're going we're to do it again. And, and so it's like, buried in likeness of his death and, and immersed in the water and raised to walk in newness of life, showing that picture and that testimony that he was marked as a believer, the privilege of baptizing some of my family members. The, the, I remember just, it was just a couple years ago, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit moved on the heart of a 76-year-old sweet, sweet lady. And she came up to me and she said, I've been uh, a Christian for many, many years. She said, but I've never followed in believer's baptism and I need to make that right. And we celebrated. And it was such a beautiful Beautiful picture. And so in baptism, it's a symbol that the old life as a non-follower of Christ has been drowned. And so I think it's important that we answer a question that you may have asked and you may have wondered. And so I think it's important that as believers, we are equipped with the Word to be able to share because the truth is everybody outside of these walls has, has, has at least some thought about what baptism is and what it means and and, and, and so what's the deal with that? And there, is, there are many who would say they believe that you have to be baptized to be saved, to be, a, to be a Christian, to have a relationship with Jesus, and to spend eternity with Him, that you have to be baptized. And so I want to speak to that this morning. And the question is, do you have to be baptized to be saved? The answer is no. But you do have to be saved to be baptized. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus says in His red letters, He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, comma, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So it is possible that some would see this passage in Mark 16 and see and be like, hey, see, like Jesus said, you got you to believe, you got to repent, you be baptized, you can be saved. But notice that that's not where the, 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 the truth ends. Like, that's not over yet. He's not finished talking. He continues in the same breath. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So how do you, how do you, how do you, how are you condemned? You don't believe. That's what Jesus says. He says you, you don't believe and not be baptized and you're condemned. Another passage that, that, that many who have that, that, that conviction would look to is in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 37 and 38, in just a little bit of context, Peter is preaching. It's the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel the thousands of multitudes hear the gospel in their own language. And it's after Peter preaches that the Bible says in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many would say, would say look, so the Bible says, this is what Peter preached, this is what he says. But remember, the Bible was not originally written in English. The Bible was originally written in Greek. 
And when you see that that little three-letter word for, it changes everything because in the Greek, that word for, it can mean for, it can mean in order that, and it can also mean because of. So when we look at this in the context of the entire Bible and the words of Christ and the teaching of the New Testament, that we are saved through repentance and faith because, and we are followed in, but because of that, we follow in believers' baptism. And so it goes on to say in the New Testament, the Bible does not contradict itself. God does not talk out of both sides of His mouth. And when you read the Scripture as a whole, Jesus says in Mark 1.15, we looked at it last week, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the Gospel. And John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That the Bible is explicitly clear that we are saved by grace through faith. So why the link with baptism? Because every believer in the New Testament followed in believers' baptism. It was that first act of obedience. You think to Christ being crucified between the the two thieves on the cross, and what does Jesus say to the thief? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And I'm not saying this in a trivial way or anything, but what Jesus did not say is like, hold on, you can't be with me today. You can't come with me. We need to get off of this cross and we need to go find water and we need to be baptized. No, He says, today you will be with me in paradise. I've counseled, talked with countless people who family members they love that it was in those final hours whether it was in a hospital room and monitors and, 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 and IVs, and, and it's, it's in that, that time and that place where they, they came to that, that place and that time where they repented of their sin and they trusted in Jesus Christ alone. We are saved by grace through faith. But as we see in Scripture, baptism is so close to the heart of God and it's so important and He desires all His believers to follow in obedience to baptism. Baptism is that outward symbol of an inward change. A lot of times uh, in, in our first step class, we share just uh, biblical convictions, how to get connected to our church, a little bit of the story of our church. A lot of times when we talk about baptism, I will talk about uh, this wedding ring that I wear, and I'll ask the question, I'll say, uh, does this wedding ring make me say, or excuse me, make me married? And, and a lot of times we just kind of quiet and kind of think for a minute. And of course, it's like, no, this is a piece of metal that's on my finger. This, this metal has no power to, to do anything in me, for me, in my life. It is my commitment to my wife before a holy God that solidifies my marriage. And so in this, what is this ring then? This ring is an outward symbol to the world that I am 
married. It is that outward symbol that I have made a commitment to my wife. It doesn't make me married, but it absolutely is a symbol of my commitment to her. So as we wrap, as, as, we, as we kind of kind of bring things to a, a focus here as we talk about baptism, there's really two things I want to highlight for us as it relates to this command that Christ has given us. The first essential truth about baptism that I want to say is simply this. Jesus commands it. Jesus commands it. And that should be enough. That should be all we need. That should be all we need to hear. That if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, if you have had that time and place where you repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, Christ commands us to follow Him in baptism. And it is very possible, just like there was that sweet 76-year-old lady that was, you know what, I, I, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus, but I've never followed in obedience to baptism. I want to encourage us to look at this word and Jesus Christ commands us to be saved. It could be fear. Shared so many times with people who place their faith and trust in Christ and there's just this fear. There's this fear of, of being in front of people. There's this fear of what will people say. There's this fear of... of but, but, but in these moments, we just listen to the words of Jesus and what He invites us to and what He calls us to. In obedience, it could be misunderstanding. It could be good intentions. It could be that like, I know I need to do that. I know that's important. I know that's God's design, but, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that one day. And it, it just becomes this good intention. It could be that uh, in your tradition that perhaps you grew up and, and were maybe sprinkled as a, uh, or, or baptized as an infant. But what I want us to see is as we look at the Word, as we look at the Word of God in the New Testament, what we see and what He teaches and what He commands is what we see as believers' baptism. Immersed, showing that complete picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you're like my friend and, and you've been baptized, but it wasn't until later on that you truly came to that place where you know that you know that you've repented and trusted Jesus. Maybe your baptism is out of order and Christ desires us to be baptized after that we have placed our faith and trust in Christ. And like my father-in-law who, who has shared his testimony here, my father-in-law is a first-generation Christian. He's uh, Jewish. His entire family is Jewish. He's the only believer in his family. And in his testimony, I've heard him say, that, that when you follow as a believer in believer's baptism, when you obey in that way, it makes it easier to obey in other areas of your life. You say, how does that work? Because if you're a believer and you haven't been baptized, then that means that, that as a believer, that you're walking in disobedience to the Lord. And so when we obey Him in that way, it makes it easier to obey Him in other areas of our life. And so Jesus commands it. And the second truth that I want us to see is that in baptism, we identify ourselves with Christ. Salvation is an internal work of God. It's seen in the fruit of our life. It's seen in the fruit of our, 
uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That's all the work of the Spirit through us. We can't do that on our own. We can't manufacture that. That's the work of God in and through our lives. But baptism, again, is that outward symbol that identifies you with Christ. I want to read Romans chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in devotion to King Jesus, Christ has commanded us to be baptized. And we hear of persecution. We hear of persecution in the West, and I think we're all quick to understand that there are believers in other parts of the world literally that meet risking their life as they meet to follow and worship Christ. And I want to share this picture uh, of a story from a missionary by the name of Uh, Nick Ripken, he is a former missionary to North Africa and to the Middle East. He's considered by many as a leading authority on persecution of believers, specifically in Muslim context. And, And what I want us to see as we talk about baptism is I want us to understand just how significant this act of obedience is because it truly is that identifier that identifies us with Christ and changes everything. So Nick was invited to a secret gathering of church leaders in a remote part of Kenya. And these leaders lived among Muslims and were part of the faith family attempting to love Muslims in Jesus' name. One pastor in that secret gathering testified for over two hours. He talked about what God was doing in his country, especially since The Shah was kicked out of Iran and a conservative form of Shi'i Islam was now installed. He bore witness eloquently and specifically, believing that he was in a safe place. He shared feelings, dreams, and information that he dared not speak about outside of this location. And so Nick, the missionary, had moved on uh, to Mogadishu where he was serving. And he says it was about two weeks later that his wife had contacted him through a shortwave radio and her voice trembled as she informed me that Pastor H, the evangelist who had spoken so boldly at our meeting in Kenya, had disappeared. His fellow believers in Iran were certain that he had been taken by the security police and they feared for his life. Historical Christian community as well as Muslim background believers were deeply concerned that his arrest might be an indication that widespread persecution was again becoming a reality. That Ruth led our Kenyan family in intercessory, intercessory prayer as those of us in Somalia joined in. A couple of weeks later, a historic event took place at a church in Iran. Approximately 38 men and women from a Muslim background were ready for believers' baptism. The church was packed as much as security would allow. And with these new believers lined up from the altar down the aisle and all the way to the rear of the church. And I want to take a quick time out right here. 
Because I want you to have this setting. And I want you to try to see what that gathering would look like. As much as security would allow. 38 men and women um, ready to obey in believer's baptism. He says this, Within Islamic settings, Muslims equate baptism with salvation. Seekers from Islam investigating a relationship with Jesus can explain away many of their activities. If they're discovered reading the Bible, they can claim they were studying in order to debate Christians more intelligently. If they're seen sneaking into a church building, they can excuse such behavior in the same way. If seen talking to a pastor or some Western Christian, seekers can suggest that they were simply observed witnessing lifting up the attributes of Islam, but they can't explain away baptism. There is no acceptable excuse Muslims believe that at baptism, a person no longer belongs to Islam, but to Christianity. They have left one community and joined another. Sounds very familiar to what we just shared earlier. The local community says that when converts are baptized, they have left Muhammad and have joined with Jesus. And at baptism, persecution soars because identification with Jesus is real, irrevocable, and forever. Baptism, he says, is the point of no return. Inside the church's baptismal pool. So I want us to go back to that gathering now. 38 Muslim background, new believers lined up for believers' baptism. In that service, inside the church's baptismal pool, stood the leader of that secret meeting in Kenya. Was also there at that same meeting. And Pastor H, who had been missing for weeks now, was his colleague and friend for many years. And as this preacher finished the message, he began to prepare for the baptism. And he looked surprised when his wife came down. And such behavior was unusual, and his concern grew as he saw the tears in her eyes as she held out his cell phone. And his heart sank when he read the news from the caller, Pastor H is dead. He relayed that message to the gathering. And I want us to listen to his words. He says this, to the 38 lined up to identify with Christ in believer's baptism. He says this, your pastor is dead. The man who loved you enough to tell you about Jesus, giving you the opportunity of eternal life, has been killed because of his faith. This is the cost of following Jesus. He says, now I want to know, addressing the new believers, are you ready to be baptized? Now that you have witnessed the cost of following Jesus, are you ready to be buried with Him in baptism and raised to newness of life? And not a single person walked away. Why? Because Christ is worthy. Why? Because He, he, is, he is worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. He gave His all so that in His grace we could be forgiven and made right with God through repentance and faith. And this act of obedience isn't, isn't just a recommendation or isn't maybe sometime you should think about it. This is a command of Jesus that says, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be identified with Me in Christ. And so I encourage you, if you are here and you are a believer and you've never followed in believer's baptism, I pray today will be the day 
that you will, by God's grace and in the power of His Spirit, make that decision. I pray if you're here and maybe, uh, you're, you're, maybe you relate with the story of my good friend whose baptism was even out of order. He was like, I, I, I need to follow in believers' baptism. That's, that's, what, that's what I need to do. I encourage believers in the room who are baptized believers that, that so often like we, we treat the baptistry like it's some finish line. Like you repent, you believe, you're baptized, and it's like, all right. But like it's not the finish line, it's the starting point. It's the starting point of an adventure with Jesus, living for His glory, living for His honor, living in obedience to Him because He is worthy. He is worthy. And I also pray for you if you're here and you're seeking or you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just hearing the echo of Paige's testimony and other believers as they come in that place where Christ invites us to be saved through repentance and faith. So wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, may we be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God because He is worthy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for uh, loving us so much that You gave us instruction. God, You've gifted us as believers with the power of Your Spirit. God, Your Word is living and active your Spirit taking that Word, applying to our hearts, bringing guidance, conviction, understanding. And Lord, I just pray, I pray for believers who may be in this room who have never taken that step of believer's baptism. It's so important to your heart. It's your design. It's your desire. You invite us and call us to obey. Baptism identifies us with you. You are worthy. God, I pray. I pray, Father, that you would find us faithful and obedient to you. I pray, Father, for those believers who have been baptized, that we would not see the baptism waters as a finish line of any sort, but rather it is the beginning of an adventure, living for your glory and living for your honor. And Father, I pray for anybody here who does not have a relationship with you. It's not about following rules. It's about a love relationship with you. God, our sin separates us from you. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And in your grace and in your love, you made a way where there was no way through your life, through your death, through your burial, through your glorious resurrection. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Repent and believe is the invitation of Jesus into a relationship with you. So God, I pray that we will be sensitive, that we will be obedient to your leading. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand uh, as we close our time in a time of response. And we're going to have pastors here and I would just share this. I think about those, those 38 uh, new believers lined up and just that, that step of courage and boldness. And I just simply share that if, if, if you're here and you need to follow in believers' baptism, baptism, I invite you to come. Let us pray over you, encourage you, counsel you. If it's about getting that baptism, Lord, we'd love to encourage you, counsel you. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. We would love to walk alongside you. And open God's Word and show you what God has shared, His glorious gospel. And so 
Whatever it looks like, I just pray we find ourselves receptive and obedient to His leading this morning.